Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Flowchuck Podcast. Flowchuckpodcast at gmail.com is our email address. Thanks for tuning in live. If you're watching on the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube channel, you can also subscribe to us on the various audio platforms. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. Uh, special shout out, special credit to anybody who, as we're recording, has already read the 44-page AIU PDF about Shelby Hulan, which Gordon just, you sprung that on me. You, in combination with AIU, right as we're getting ready to go, you're like, hey, by the way, they released a decision. Yes. Uh, so I appreciate you reading it for me. I had no intention of reading that. I'm not a big, avid reader. So I was just watching you read it, and you would say things out loud, and that's how I consumed all the information. I know you're not supposed to just read headlines. You're supposed to read the article, but I'm like 98% of the, the country. I just read the headline. And this headline basically confirmed that uh, Shelby is going to be banned for four years. It showed the full report. Um, we already knew she was banned for four years, but this is now the detailed, the reasoning mm -hmm. of why they did not um, consider Shelby's um, justification for having Nandrolone in her system. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what do you think of... Uh, the AIU's report. You're the one well, who read it. <laughs> yeah, full disclosure. I, I didn't I didn't get all the way through because we ran out of time. Because they literally issued this, what, what was that say, 50, 59 minutes ago. And by the time I was aware of it, it was about 20 minutes ago. I'm a quick reader, but not that quick. I zeroed in, though, on page 7 and 8 here, where it says basically the athlete's explanation. So Julian's explanation that the sample resulted from uncastrated bore wasn't going to be accepted and they boiled it down to a number of reasons and the way they phrase it in the report it says the explanation presupposes a cascade of factual and scientific improbabilities which means that in its composite probability is very close to zero so it says first the athlete would have had to have been served 
pork at the food trek despite ordering beef. Second, the pork consumed would not have been normal pork product ordered by the food truck, but uncastrated boar. Third, the uncastrated boar enters the food chain through completely different channels than pork. Uh, fourth, it goes on to say the uncastrated boar in question um, would have had was a small minority of uncastrated boars that, in addition, must have had elevated androgen levels. So it had to would have to have been a specific type of uncastrated boar, basically. Fifth, the pork product um, is pork stomach. Pork stomach, it says, is stripped of the inner layer with the consequence that the outer muscle remains. It goes on and on to explain the anatomy of this boar. Sixth, it says the concentration of it was two to three times higher than the highest values reported in the scientific literature they put out. So it was a larger amount. Seven, it talks about the carbon isotope signature. Um, was not consistent with the type of pig that would have been consumed. And then um, it says one of the experts that testified the chance of a uh, uh, a crypto child, which is the, the term for the animal here, ending up in the normal supply chain in the United States is far less than one in 10,000. So basically add all that up and then you have this long line basically of, this, of, of basic statistic improbabilities. Now the report goes on and it, and it details Houlihan's defense, and I'm sure she's going to put out a statement later on today, but nothing I saw in there changed like the facts from what we knew initially and what we assumed the response would have, because we only heard really Houlihan's side of it, right? But we assumed based on her response, what AIU, CAS, et cetera, the position they were taking. And this, from what I've seen so far, aligned with that. Yeah, basically, AIU is saying, hey, the odds of, you know, pig orful being in a, in a beef burrito that you ordered, that's rare. The odds that the pig orful, no, no, first of all, the odds that it's pork is rare because you ordered beef. Then the odds that the pork is pig orful is rare. Then the odds that the pig orful is contaminated is rare. Then the odds that the contamination has a high level of nandrolone is rare and so basically the probability is winning a roulette over and over and over like five times in a row mm -hmm. and they said ultimately it was like a one in ten thousand chance that yeah. this happened so I, one in ten thousand chance is more than zero in ten thousand but mm -hmm. i think the way that they they rule is that it needs to you can't just say like hey i was struck by lightning and that's why, you know, I missed my test or whatever. You'd have to prove that you actually were struck by lightning, not just say like, hey, people get struck by lightning, so believe it, right? So I think the whole situation was they weren't able to, or well, Shelby's team wasn't able to come up with reasonable evidence that this could have happened to anyone. Um, so they tried to like, do a, a hair sample and a polygraph, yeah. but AIU decided not to accept that. Um, polygraphs, I guess, are easy to beat. I don't know, but I guess it's... People think polygraphs are like... Uh, they're, they're, I think Hollywood kind of made us think polygraphs are like a legit forms of like defense, mm -hmm. but like in the real world, polygraphs are just kind of not reuse you can see here's a question yeah. of in the polygraph question did you at any time knowingly ingest nandrolone answer no 
did you intentionally ingest the drug Nangelone? Answer, no. Mm-hmm. So I have another thing. I kind of, okay, you go. Well, I was going to say the thing with the the hair sample, I think the hair sample is basically to disprove long-term use, which goes to, hey, why would she be doing this in the first place if it was just a one-time thing, right? Like it wouldn't, it, yeah. from a practical standpoint, if you talk to people who are familiar with anti-doping regulations or have covered doping in sport, basically you're looking at it from the perspective of, okay, there's got to be some utility to doing this. And if she was doing it for a longer period of time, it would have been evident in a hair sample, right? Because it has a longer history. Now that doesn't mean, uh, but I think what they're saying, well, okay, that's fine. However, we have this sample that we saw where there's a positive test and that's what we need to rule on. If you go to the bottom, um, if you're if you're just looking for the, the TLDR, the cliff notes here, on, on page 41, starting at bullet point 135, it kind of goes to what you were saying before. It lays out a whole bunch of possible but unlikely things that needed to happen. So they're saying it's possible, but unlikely that it contained OFL. It's possible, but unlikely that the ingestion of the OFL would have resulted in the type of amount, right, in there as well. Um, It's possible, you know, but unlikely that the, uh, what, what does it say? The, the panel finds that, uh, that neither the hair analysis nor the polygraph resulted in sufficient uh, proof for the athlete to satisfy a burden uh, that the anti-doping rule violation was not intentional. So basically, it, it lays out basically three things that are possible that could could be a, a rationale for it, but aren't unlikely. And then you get to the, the ruling there at the bottom. It says that the athlete has not satisfied her burden of proof on the balance of prohibition that the anti-doping rule violation was unintentional and the anti-doping rule violation was therefore deemed to be intentional, right? Because it's one or the other. They have to decide intentional or unintentional and they're, and they're weighing the two against each other and, and they just said this evidence was not enough. So now that you read the report or at least read it in 20 <laughs> minutes or less, like a, like a natural you are. So I think that it comes down, there's, there's three scenarios here, right? First scenario is she got and she took Nangelone via a burrito, right? And that's the case that they're trying to lay out. And the result is like, that was like a one in 10,000 chance. So yeah. it most likely might not have been that situation. The second scenario, it was a faulty test. Now they never defended that. The, they never tried to argue that the test was faulty. They did an athlete A and B sample. Tests mm-hmm. can be faulty, but they, by now they should, you, you would assume that the test is accurate. So that's the scenario that like, okay, well, no, that, that, not that's not a a case. So then third scenario, is this Nigel and Garner system some other way? Right? Mm-hmm. And now you have to start thinking like she didn't just wake up and Nangelone like got in her system. It literally if it wasn't a burrito, it was something else. So what is that something else situation? Is it another uh was it a an intentional use that she's not telling us? Is it an unintentional use that she's not telling us? Like maybe she she knows she unintentionally took it, but maybe she's using the burrito because it's more mainstream mm. of an excuse. Maybe there's another reasoning actually that the Nangelone's in her system and we don't know that actual reason. 
But well, we know that according, if we're supposed to take this finding and as the truth, we know that the test was real, and we know that it's not from pig orful. So where is it? Are we like Shelby still maintaining her innocence? So what do we think is the reason well, Shelby Hulan yeah. won't be running for the next four years? So I think the was the number one in ten thousand. Is that what you said? Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're gonna take, it's a uh, obviously one in ten thousand can happen, right? It's not zero. It's not zero. So they're, they're yeah. basically saying, okay, like her her camp is saying, yeah, okay, one in ten thousand things can happen. It's, it's rare, but but it happens. They had to ha- have some sort. If you're going to appeal, you have to appeal on some sort of grounds, right? So they have to go back and they have to look and they have to say, okay, well. If you're saying you didn't take this, we need to come up. You can't just be like, I didn't take it. Because then they're going to say, well, you're banned. That's not, there's no grounds for an appeal there. So they need to present some sort of evidence here. Um, I would think, though, they didn't have a ton of time. Because as they described before, they were like waiting and waiting and waiting to get to get charged. And then they expedited the process, which they outlined in here as well which meant it was just like one one thing and then it was it was done basically at that point so but they did have enough time i think to comb through that day and figure out what it was that was consumed by her throughout the course of the day so i'd be i'm inclined to believe that this was their strongest case otherwise they would not have put it forward Right, like I'm sure went back, looked at all the receipts, looked at everything that she had done the last. I mean, probably probably went back farther than a week, you know, like to actually look. This is her career, right? So, looking at every single uh, thing she ingested, vitamins, whatever that that she had, and that this was the strongest case that they could make. Because again, they have to have some sort of they have to put some sort of reason out there for why it was positive. I, I feel like the Shelby situation is a trending topic among runners when they go on runs. And the topic is, do you think she did it? I think that is people because Shelby was the bell of the ball all, leading all the way up to this moment. Everyone was like pro Shelby. She was like the big she was next big chance to get a an olympic medal in mm-hmm. distance events and then that all comes crashing down and so there's people who are going to be in the the i believe shelby camp and there's going to be people in the yeah. i don't believe shelby camp and now that we have this case in front of us where the shelby camp needs to believe a one in ten thousand chance the i don't believe shelby camp kind of has a case to be like well maybe Maybe this isn't the truth. Maybe the truth is she took it another way and that we just don't know what that is. So as someone who tries to play it fair, I feel like this is what, should I tell you what I think? Okay, I don't know. Like this is just me being a human being and we have someone who's not in the sport now for four years. So I'm just going to have my personal opinion. I don't, I have no proof of this, but this is what I think happened. Then you definitely I shouldn't think, say it. Well, no. Well, I just want to. I think that she probably got Nangelone ingested into her system another way 
that wasn't a burrito. And I think that other way could have been some other type of supplement or whatever, I don't know, that when she was consuming it, assumed that it was fair game and it wasn't an issue. And then kind of had trust that it wasn't an issue. And then it found out like, oh crap, that's what it was. I need to now say it was a burrito or whatever. But I honestly think, I think she unintentionally consumed it, but I think she unintentionally consumed it not via burrito. That's my take. And we just don't know mm -hmm. what that un other unintentional way. Because, mm -hmm. like you said, the hair thing, like you would have to, she showed that she didn't have it in her system a long time. I think she was kind of, she thought she was running down the middle of the road when she was doing it, but it turned out she actually was close to the edge of a cliff and she didn't know. And then she fell off the cliff and she's like, oh crap, why? I had no idea I was over the edge of the cliff. Maybe it was a burrito that pushed me there. But I think it was something else and we just will never know. And hey, so I guess it's kind of like I believe her and don't believe her at the same time. I don't believe the burrito story, but I believe the it's unintentional story. That is my So uh, in the chat, someone mentions the one in 10,000 and you're a, you're a math guy here, Gordon. So you'll be able to understand this. The one in 10,000 isn't the probability that her explanation is true. It's a probability that a subset of the assumptions necessary are true. It doesn't explain the two to three times elevated level from other studies. Yeah. Well, I think that one in 10,000 was part of the two to three part. Like I thought that was added in to the probability. Like the yeah. also, like, cause you had the probability of it, of, of the, of it being pork in the brief burrito, which you know, that could happen because you see these taco Yeah, let me just say the that's the only that's the only part of this <laughs> where I have expert uh uh yeah. analysis on it of getting my order wrong at food trucks, like very, very frequently. Yeah. So that yeah, part whenever that part is where if I was on CAS, I'd be like, hmm, okay, on that part. Yeah, because every time me and Jojo go out for like food trucks in Austin, get some some local Mexican food. Every time we're eating it, we're like, every time we order a new thing, we're always like, yeah, I kind of believe Shelby now. Because every time we're eating it, we're like, this is kind of crazy. Because, you know, it's authentic. It's all over the place. But that is very, I feel like that's very likely that there's pork in a beef burrito. But the thing that starts becoming unlikely is that the pork is pig orful, that the pig orful is contaminated, that the pig orful that is contaminated is contaminated at a level that can cause two to three times, you know, sample. So, that's when it starts becoming the one in 10,000, in my opinion, is when it goes from the pork is pig or orful is contaminated. The contamination is overly contaminated, you know, and then just, yeah. The yeah, yeah. odds are, I think your favorite. Yeah. But yeah, the, the sheer, the sheer amount of it as well, too. I, I mean, I'm interested to see if they have another counter to this counter. Although at this point, right, they said when the news broke, the only remaining recourse was a Swiss tribunal past that, but there would need to be some sort of reason for them to take up the case. I don't know if that exists or not. Her lawyer was pretty forceful as lawyers are in saying that there was um, a case to be made, but as it stands, she's banned until the beginning of 2025, which obviously means she would miss the next two world championships and then the next Olympics. So she'd mix, miss three global championships well, four if you go back and count count Tokyo. So it would be a, a significant ban. Um, 
I will say this. I mean, I thought when I was looking through the the report here, just it's interesting to see different because like there's a bunch of other Bowerman athletes giving testimony here about it. Like they're putting their names out there and saying like they thought that she was clean, which, you know, if you're inclined to not believe her, you're going to be like, well, of course they're they're going to say that like she's their friend, but they, you know, Schweizer, Frerichs, Centrowitz, um, all testified. I think this is the cadge report with the most references to the bachelorette because that night they were watching the bachelorette (laughs) and every single person giving testimony was sure to mention the bachelorette because they had to get back in time to watch. Like they had, the timeline is not in question of what happened. Like I know everything about that evening at this point, (laughs) just, just from reading like six or seven, uh pages of this thing and the testimony of how it went down who was in line who was where where the sauces were they they the line was too long because someone called ahead and said hey can you order for me but then they didn't end up not they were, ended up not ordering because the line moved so slow that the person who was in the back of the line wasn't even to the front of the line by the time the person who was late was getting there um so all those details are are hammered out but the the issue now here is just trying to figure out what happened after that? So what do you, I mean, I just think it's, this seems like this is it, right? I mean, unless there's some other, like there's only one appeal process available to them because they've already done CAS and that appeal is going to require some sort of error, you know, prove some sort of error in, in a previous previous ruling. Now I'm guessing they have pretty good lawyers. They're going to try to go comb through and find some sort of issue to hear the case again but the way they laid it out was pretty strong here yeah yeah and that's why i think that my take like i said is that she unintentionally took it but it wasn't from a burrito it was from something else and we don't know what it was so yeah. Well, in which case, in which case, I mean, there's still the whole idea of strict liability, right? You're responsible for what, yeah. what goes in your body. Now that they're saying it should have been flagged, not as a, you know, uh, an intentional thing, but an unintentional thing. But if it was a, if it was a substance that existed in some not food, right, that, that, that she took and it was, was contaminated, she's going to get less sympathy and obviously no sympathy from, from Kaz in that case. Cause they're just gonna say, Hey, look at the rule book. doesn't matter at that point, yeah. how it, how it got in your system. It's in your system. All right. Yeah. So we'll leave that there. We'll leave that there. If anything new happens between now and Friday, we will discuss, um, there's a giant spider behind me. So I'm going to close this laptop. Gordon, talk about Brussels for a second. Where did this thing go? For a second. Oh, no, I goodness. didn't want to watch you. Oh, I want to see. It's behind, show, show the screen it's of him trying to kill the, kill the spider. No, I, I shut the, I shut the it? screen. It's like a no. It's like a daddy long leg. It's not even that scary of a spider. It's just very distracting oh, okay. and it's enormous. Oh, talk about Friday show. What time's Friday show? Oh yeah, so Friday show. Uh, so Diamond League, uh, Brussels is Friday. It ends around, I think three o'clock, uh, Central Time. So we're gonna go live right after the meet. So. I'm not sure the exact time, but when as soon as the meet's over, we're going to be live on YouTube once again, kind of similar to what we did last weekend or last Thursday. So yeah, kind of trying to, whenever basically there's going to be a, a big live track meet, Diamond League level type stuff, 
and it's on the weekday, we'll go live right after because we find it. We don't want to wait. We don't want to sleep on the results. We just want to talk about them right away. So that's the plan for Friday's pod. Is It won't be at 9 a.m. It'll be right after the Diamond League. All right. Update on the spider. I wasn't able to find it. It was gigantic. It was very skinny. It was on the wall right in front of me. It went straight down. I don't think it's poisonous or anything like that. But if I go down mid pod, yeah. Um, well, you're not here, so I was just saying send help. Way. People hashtag free spider is going on in the chat right now. Uh, I have not killed the spider. Just for the record, I have. I do not. I did not kill the spider. It's not because I didn't want to kill the spider. It's just I did not have the opportunity to kill the spider. And so far, it's alive. So if you see me jump around, um, that's why. Where? I don't know how I lost it, dude. It was a. I'm not scared of spiders. Scared I just want to be able to concentrate. No, I want to be able to concentrate on the show. And it was right, like right in front of me, like right over your head. As I'm seeing your head on the screen, it was right above you, crawling around. And it was massive. And I can't believe I lost it. Like, there's no reason why I should not be able to find it. I mean, this booth is really dark. It's spider season in Austin, man. There are so many spiders out right now. Yeah, the spiders. Yeah, my my new house is very infested with lots of critters because we live in like a forest so we see lots of bugs and insects that i've never seen before you're gonna see me well, doing this happen. the next 20 I'm, we yeah. had a spider situation with jojo on the pod a few weeks ago that was so anyway i'm gonna be talking talk i'm gonna say like safan hassan in the mile and all of a sudden i'm gonna go whoa like that's how it's gonna happen Let's okay I wrote, four down, I, I wrote four races down here i wrote four of them uh, man, people in the chat are really getting on me about the spider. This is ridiculous. Um, it's okay, man. It's okay. All right. Women's 200, women's 5,000, men's 100, women's mile were the four I wrote down. You can pick where we start. I think we start with women's 200. It's not a flow track podcast without some Shakari Richardson talk. So. Shakari officially not ending her season. She's back on the track, this time in a 200. We saw that she opted to kind of forego the 100 the rest of the year because she could have ran another 100 to try to qualify for the Diamond League 100 final, but she didn't. But she's in this 200, and she's going to be going against a good field, right? You got yeah. Shaka Jackson in there, Dean Asher-Smith, Christine Mboma. So... We have three women who have all broken 2190 in their career. She's run 22 flat. I'm excited to see how this plays out. First of all, where do you, all right, let's set the line at the place at two and a half. Mm -hmm. Do you think she finishes mm -hmm. top two? Or outside the top two? I think she finishes third. So I'll take the over mm -hmm. on that. This is a good field. Ordinarily, you'd say, oh, she's not, not running the race with Frazier Price and Thompson Hurrah. She's going to have an easy go of it. No. Mboma's really good. Silver medalist, as you mentioned. twenty Sub 21.9 this year. Then you have Sharika Jackson, who her 200 performance. Do you remember what happened in the Olympics in 200? She's a better yeah. 200 runner than she is in the 100 and she's really good in the 100 but she got bounced in the 100 didn't make it out of the first round she's run 21 82 
Asher Smith's been been banged up this year, so Richardson can beat her. But Mboma and Jackson, Masalingi's solid too, going against Richardson, coming off of uh, a last place finish, and she hasn't run a bunch of 200s this year. She's only run two of them. She's definitely stronger in the 100. I think third place would be would be a fine result from her. Let's not get out of whack with the expectations here with her in the 200. Yeah, I think if she got here's the thing though, getting third, it's kind of crazy where we're going now. Like now we're like, yeah, third would be great. Like but it's true. Ago, we're, we, were, we need to but yeah. but we need to be we need to we don't need to do what people who never pay attention to track do. Right. And just assume because they saw a person run great in one race or a couple races that that's their destiny. We know that it's more complicated than that. We know that this field is tough. So I think third would be solid here, especially coming off after pre. Okay. The spider's back. All right. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do remember this Continental Tour Ostrava win in the 200. She ran 22.3 into a headwind. Um, I still don't think that the 200 is her best event. I think the 100 is her better event. She has gotten a little better, though, in this 200. She She's run 22-11, albeit that was, you know, in April. It's a long time ago. I think she needs, though, I, she needs to finish top three. I think if she comes out there and runs like a 22-6, provided it's good condition. So a 22-6 where the rest of the field is running 22 low or 22-4, where everyone's running 21 high. I feel like if she gets like severely smoked in this race, you're going to start well, that's thinking a like, yes, that's a, yes, that's, that's going to be a problem. It, yeah. It, okay. The pressure should be lower in this race. I think that's good for her. Yeah. Because it's not the main event and the top two in the world, two of the three fastest in history aren't in the race. Right. And Anybody out, out, like non track people might say, Oh, she's supposed to win every single time. But people who pay attention know how good Mboma is and they know how good Shrika Jackson is. It's not in the United States. This should provide a lot lower pressure of an environment for her to perform. I'm really interested to see Mboma and, and Jackson here too, because we never saw Jackson have that apex 200 meter race that that she deserved to have because she didn't qualify out of the first round. And in Boma, we saw what she did in in U20s, and you saw how fast she was in in, in Tokyo. So this is going to be a great race. Shakari is part of that, but she's not the whole story. Yeah, you look at Jackson's season in the 200. She won every race except for Jamaica final, where she lost to Shelly Ann. But then she came back and she beat like the top people in that July 4th and that July 6th 200, where she won in 22-1 and 21-9. And then the, obviously that heat five fourth place finish is like clearly not a legitimate run because she ran 23-2. Clearly she can run faster than that. Uh, so Sharika may be seeing like an avenue of like, hey, Shelly in and... And Elaine Thompson are just on fire this season. I'm never going to break up that one-two punch in the 100. But in the mm-hmm. 200, I do have an opportunity to maybe do something special and potentially win the Diamond League. So she probably looks at 
the 200 is still like I haven't been proven yet that I'm that I can't be the best because we know mm-hmm. in the Olympics she kind of wasn't in that final, so she doesn't. She probably thinks if I was in that final against Lane Thompson, maybe I'm the one running beating Elaine yeah. Thompson. I'm, I don't know if we want to say that right now, but her resume shows that she was improving dramatically in the 200, and it makes sense. She is a 400 meter runner. We would think mm-hmm. that she should be able to be even better in the two than she is in the one. So I'll be excited to see how she does. I think Shariko. I think Shariko is going to beat Mboma, mm-hmm. which would be kind of incredible because if she beats the silver medalist, he's like, whoa. Um, yeah, but, but she was that good. That's why it was so surprising. Yeah, what 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 happened there, and so frustrating for the the Jamaican fans. I also like that women's sprinting right now is deep enough to where you can just basically have two separate groups, not even overlap in the one hundred and two hundred, and get great races in both. Yeah. yeah, this would be even it would be even better if you had Thompson, Hurrah, and and Fraser Price. But they can go at it in the 100, and then you still have this really compelling 200 right now because of how good the sprinting is right now on the women's women's side of it. So it's just it's going to be a fun race. I give credit to, to Richardson for going back out there and racing. Um, but this is going to be a tough field to beat. So if she does manage to win, this is a huge, huge victory. I think th- third is still solid. I'm with you, Jackson and Boma. I think I would probably go in Boma and then Jackson um, ahead of of Richardson is my pick. But this will be this will be a fun one again because we did not get to see Shrika Jackson in full flight in in Tokyo because that was the same right. That was the same meet where she runs 10:76. She was capable of something special in the in the 200, but we never saw it. How do we think uh, Shikari's gonna react? to her finish whether obviously she wins we know how she's going to react if she gets like let's let's just i don't think she's going to win so how do you think she's going to react to like another loss assuming she gets third or fourth or or even second didn't didn't you just say last week that you're just not able to predict what she's going to do and now you're asking me to predict what she's going to do i don't know i have no idea i have no idea you think she'll be as Think she'll be as like lean in no, and as strong be- as she was from the hundred at pre? No, because I think there's gonna be less attention. It's a two hundred. It doesn't have yeah. the other two big names, and it's not in the United. Yeah. It's not in the United States. It's it's the magnitude of pressure is so much smaller. They're not gonna have a preview about the Brussels two hundred. Um, see, this is a good tweet. I like this. Only way from, only way from ninth is up. I love it. Um. They're not going to interview and do a piece on Good Morning America about the Brussels 200 on Friday. I mean, if they are, yeah. if they are going to do that, let's just, you and I need to get our resumes in right now to some <laughs> ma- major networks. Because if major networks are doubling down, not just on one random Prefontaine Classic race, but they're like investing in every single Diamond League, you and I need to, to make some phone calls. I don't think they are. I think that one was unique because it was the first race back. It was against... Rachel Price and Thompson, hurrah. It was 100, and it was in the United States. And none of those things are the case with this race. So I think the pressure yeah. is a lot lower. Not going to be as as overwrought. Yeah. I think she's not going to – probably she's not going to have any interviews, right? Because 
I've seen some of these diamond league might zones that lot lot of them are kind of are pretty sparse. So like NBC, well, she's gonna there. have like they 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 cover it remotely. So she, yeah, she might have a she might show up at the pre race press conference and and say something, but it just nothing is gonna compare to that to that pre race. There's only one. This is probably the only time in history when they're gonna have anybody is gonna have a race like that where you had this ascendant star gets a six week suspension, misses the biggest meet. In the meantime, someone puts out an all time mark and then they come back and the other athlete is waiting for them who many people thought could have contended with her. This is like a scenario that you can't replicate again. Yeah. Maybe Agreed. ever, maybe, maybe ever. So which you, is you're going with all the, the, you're going with a third place finish. Yeah. I'm going to go in Boma. Jackson, and then I'm going to go Richardson. Those are my three. I'm going with the fourth place finish. I think Dina Asher beats her as well. Yeah, she's just been she's just been struggling. Where's that whole? Hold on, let me see this whole start list here. Women's two. Anybody else? I mean, Masalingi is intriguing as well too. So I think that's going to be tough. The Belgian women are 23 second runners, so they'll. And the the German woman's twenty three. So really, it's a five it's a five person race. Right? Two from Namibia, Richardson, Jackson, and Asher Smith. So I think third would be solid. I think any lower than that would be, eh, for her at this point. But again, only wet is up from ninth, right? Unless you're in a field of ten. You know, like in a, a 1500, then you can go unless, back unless, and finish tenth. Unless she's in a 1500. If she's in a 1500, then uh, things have gone horribly wrong. So, <laughs> all right. What else? What else is on the docket? What else is on the docket? Let's stick. We want to stick with the sprints and do men's 100, which stuck out to me. Interesting dynamic here in this field because I think you'd have to say at this point, Fred Curley's the favorite. 1984, coming off that 200 meter win. But also in the field is Trayvon Bromel. 977 is here's his PB and season best. They matched up at pre, but um, Curly got the better of him. Michael Norman is in there. Ferdinand Omora, who we talked about before, setting the Kenyan record. He's run 986. Sambina's run 984. So you have five guys with PB's sub 990 in this race. So it should be pretty good, yeah. but I think Curly's the favorite. Curly's got to be the favorite. Well, he's, I mean, finished second at the Olympics, and the guy who finished first at the Olympics isn't in this race. So, yeah, Curly's the favorite. Um, and it's basically as deep of a field you could get if you just, if you put Ronnie Baker in that field, then all of a sudden we're like, this is, I mean, because obviously we knew Jacobs wasn't running the rest of the season. So you just throw in Ronnie Baker, and then all of a sudden that field becomes the best you could probably get at this time of the year. It's basically an equivalent to a Diamond League final. Um, I am more kind of Degrasse. I too. guess Degrasse. Right. Yeah, Degrasse. Yeah, there's no Degrasse, yeah. but I take that back. Yeah, there's no Degrasse. I'm kind of bummed, to be honest, that Fred Curley isn't doing the 400 because <laughs> this was the last meet where he could have qualified to be in the 400 meter final at the Diamond League. He's clearly opting to do a 100 200 double at the Diamond League, but I wanted him to do the 100 400 double. It is what it is, but hey, he says in his tweet, in his Instagram here, 
Time to make this history now. The time is now. Hashtag phase nine. Mm-hmm. And then a couple sponsor hashtags. And then phase world record. Can't make this up. So phase nine. He's already in phase nine, right? He's run nine point whatever. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when he says phase nine, what what does phase nine mean? Phase world record. That's the That's the next step. I think... He's proven pretty much everything this year. Get another win, get a Diamond League win, adds to the the resume, but you see how solid he's been all year. The 200 was a weak spot. He tightened that up over the past couple weeks. So it's been just an amazing year. But the 400, you bring it up because who's in this 400 now? Because we talked about Curly not doing it. Norman's in the 100, which is interesting. Again, he's opted for the, the 100 ahead of the 400 here. You have Michael Cherry, Karani James. I mean, Karani's got to be the favorite because he medaled, right? And he ran sub 44 this year. But Cherry has the second best PB there. Gardner's not here. This Diamond League final is going to be open. It's going to be open for the taking. Michael Cherry could work his way in and win the Diamond League. And... Be a credit to him. Travis pulled up this great stat here. He's run 11 44s in a row, Michael Cherry. So if you had the thought in your head, if you're following track, an American track, and you're like, man, Michael Cherry, guy is just so consistent. He's making always runs 44. You are correct. Follow your instincts. It's absolutely true. He's run 11 of them in a row um, going back to May the 9th. You know, through the rounds, he's just clicking off these 44s as well, too. And he, he got another one in. Uh, Riveredo yesterday where he runs 44.55, shutting it down at the end. I'm sure, no doubt, saving something for for Brussels. So I think we could see, I'm going to say this right here. I think this the the 44-second streak ends, Gordon, because he's going to run a 43. I think we're going to see oh, okay. right. a 43 from Michael Cherry in Brussels. So the streak's going to end, but it's going to end in a good way. And he's going to go sub-44. Sub yeah, I mean, if you kind of look at like this 44-5 as like a first round or a second round of mm-hmm. a three-round race, he's kind of has his 44-5 kind of shutting it down in the final, you know, 25 meters. He's definitely setting himself up for a, maybe a potential PB in 43 seconds in this Diamond League. Yeah, we, we, we just talked about there's an opportunity in the 400, right? The 100, yep, the 200, yep. and the 800 all have U.S. world champions. So you can't get a buy in any of those events. But you can get the buy in the 400. And with no Steven Gardner in there, with Randolph Ross basically being a NCA top time from a long time ago, there's just mm-hmm. a, there's an opening, right? Karani James, the Zambrano, Norman, and then Cherry. Like, And that's why I thought Fred Curley yep. would notice this and be like, hey – I should get in there and potentially win a 400. He does say hashtag 42. So, hey, maybe get your 42 now <laughs> in this Diamond League final. And maybe say saving it for 2022. But, yeah, I, I like your idea that maybe Cherry is going to be the one who gets that buy. And uh, then the U.S. will have a buy in the one, the two, the four, and the eight potentially. He doesn't – I don't think he'll even need it though, to be honest, because no. – I think he'll qualify easy. Look at the 400 right now for the U.S. on the men's side versus the two and the one. 
It's not close yeah. in terms of depth. Like U.S. men's 200 right now, just say, for example, Norman runs it next year. So he's a 1970 guy. You have Lyles. You have Curly. You have Bednarik. You have Knighton and Norman. That's ridiculous. You go in the 100, and it's, it's stacked too. Yeah, exactly. And that's not even mentioning guys like that who are right on the cusp. But, but someone like Bednarik, like it's very clear where he's going. Right, he's so solid. Curly, so yeah. solid. Lyles runs the 19.5 this year. Knighton, yeah, he's super young, so you know his future isn't secure. But to be that fast, you'd think he's as likely a candidate to improve as anybody else. And then if Norman gets in the mix, it's interesting that Norman could choose an event. He might be end up being better in the 200 than the 400, but his path would be harder in the 200 than the 400 because. As you mentioned, like you look at the top times of the year, Randolph Ross's NCAA time, Norman's 44.07, Cherry's 44.2. Then you're going to, you know, Noah Williams running 44.3. But I don't know next year what the men's 400 in the U.S. is going to look like. There'll be another youngster who pops up because there always is because it's the 400. But that is just so much easier path than the 200. Yeah. And so we'll see in this 400 with uh, Cherry trying to make into the final. Um, and looks like Fred Curley is trying to go all in on the one, the two this year. Maybe we won't see a 400 from him. So it's a bummer, but we'll. I think we'll see if he said he's going to do the 400 because he won, he tweeted hashtag 42. So I'm just I want to see we, it. I want I want to I want to see him in the four. Can we do the? Can we pull up the? Diamond League 400 standings again. I know we did that last time, but is it possible to pull those up again? I just want to see because now we know who's in the Russell's race, so we know who's going to get points. But who's like who's in the top eight spot spots right now to to qualify for Zurich in the final? Because you know, Zambrano obviously is solid. Karani James has has been amazing this year in, in in Tokyo and Gardner. But if those guys aren't there. Right, like it just, it just, it like the the path is so open for, for Cherry, and he can factor in anyway, just because that consistency is awesome. All right, so is this the Diamond League standings here? Yeah, so let's blow that up. Okay, blow it up. Okay, so, well, Cherry's Wait, gonna Cherry's need to n- win. He's gonna, he's gonna, need, he's to gonna win. need to win. Okay. Yeah, man. Okay, Which so Zambra. So if you're listening and not watching, Zambrano, James, Norwood, Nor- Michael Norman is there. <laughs> Lendor, David Ree, Fred Curley, and Bonavasia of the Netherlands are there. So six points is the is the last time in right now, but you're going to get a bunch of scratches here as well too. So I would think he'd be fine. I think he would get enough points to make it in because the, the field right now, Bonavasia, Borley, Cherry, Doom, James Lendor, Secor, and and Taylor. So we don't know who's scratching. I mean, I would be, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if Norman ran, but he hasn't run a 400 since Tokyo. And then Curly, maybe Curly's just going to stay in there if no one passes him. Maybe he'll do it. No, no, because six points is going to get popped, uh, bumped out for yeah. sure. Because like Bonifacio is going to get at least a point and he's in this Brussels race, so he'll at least get a point. He'll move mm-hmm. on, you know, because basically everyone in that field gets a point. Yeah, it's the top yeah, eight, yeah. right? So they all get a point. So, 
So he needs at least, so Cherry would need at least, well, probably at least six. So he needs to finish no lower than third. Yeah, yeah but I mean, likely probably mm-hmm. needs to finish second or first, which I think, he, I think second, at least with Karani James in there, he can at least get second. Yeah. Yeah. So if Rovereto was the first round, Brussels is like a semi, and then Zurich is his final, right? Yeah, there you go. So maybe he only has 44 all. low, and then he says he's 43 for the final. It's going to happen this year. The streak will be broken, and he will rejoice because it will be good. Let's look at these distance races. Uh, women's 5,000 featuring the athlete that you predicted will win a gold medal soon. Francine Niansaba, we get to see her in a 5,000 after she was DQ'd in Tokyo. She's going against Helen O'Beary, medalist, uh, Ejigayute, who was right with her in that 3,000 in Paris. You also have Latenza Betgade in there as well. Big field here, Gordon. And then the other one I want to talk about was the the women's mile featuring Safan Hassan. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see all the same names, right? O'Beary, uh, mm-hmm. Gade, Klosterhofen, and Nian Samba. And the thing is that Nian Samba's beaten all these women, right? Beaten... He's beaten. Mm-hmm. She's beaten Tay. She's beaten Gaday. She's beaten Obiri in the yep. in the combination between the three k and the two mile. So I think in any race that doesn't have Safana San, Neon Samba is the top dog. And it's kind of crazy to say that because if you look at the season's bests, she's only won fourteen fifty four in the five k yeah. this year. Let's go to go to Travis. Go to the the descending order list of five k times. So yeah. Her time this year is ranked what in the world? Going down, going down, going down. Keep on going, keep on going. And there she is. So she has the 36th fastest time in the 5K, but in any, but clearly is the second best 5K runner in the world. Yeah. It's wild. She has yet to run a fast 5 I mean, she she's run a, a 5K fast for her at that time, but clearly she's gotten better and gotten more used to this distance to these 12 and a half laps. But for someone to be the heavy favorite and have the 36th best time in the country <laughs> and it being her PB, it's just kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's a situation just based on weird circumstances. But so Tay up there has run 14-14 and she just beat her in the 3K just to give you an idea of what she's capable of. So if they get the pace going, sub 14-15 is definitely a, a possibility here. I... It's hard to say because we don't have that many results from the Insaba and she got fifth in the 10K, but it seems as if she's better at, you know, the shorter you go, the better, which makes sense because she's a 155, 800 meter runner. So the five, I'm assuming she's better at the 10, but maybe a little bit worse than she is at the 3K and the two mile, which is fine because she was number five all time in the 3K. So if she runs anywhere near that, even if she runs a tick slower, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a big it's going to be a big performance but now everybody knows now everybody knows all right we've seen what you've done two races in a row they're not going to be surprised when she tries to make that big move with with a mile to go but it's just tough to beat her because because of her kick as well too nobody yeah, else has 3k mark speeding. yeah her 3k mark is equivalent to 1247 points in the results score which if you look at this screen uh Colt, if you put it up uh, it would be basically the equivalent of running like fourteen twenty or fourteen 
yeah. you know, 18 on this list. So mm-hmm. technically her 3K mark is like putting her fourth best in the world in the 5K. Yeah. And I'd say, again, and if you want to leave some wiggle room just to say, hey, she's going to be better at the shorter stuff than at the longer stuff and say, all right, maybe maybe she's only going to get 1,220 points or something. Well, that's still sub 1430, which is yeah. really fast. But and that's that's leaving a lot of of cushion too. I think she can go faster than than fourteen thirty. So this will be a fun one. Safana San in the mile, Gordon. She is the world record holder in that event, four twelve, which would convert to about a three fifty five, fifteen hundred. So if she wants to break her mark again, I think she can do it. It's just a matter of we get this pacing going, and it gets quick enough early on to see her do it. But 355 is well within her capabilities. I know she struggled, air quotes, in the 5K at, at pre going for the world record, but this world record is a bit easier than that one. Don't you feel like, I'm starting to kind of feel bad for Safana son. I'm like, hey, just take a break. Like, yes, you've done enough yes. running. You've done enough record attempts. You Like, you don't need to be doing these Diamond League stuff and more races. Obviously, we love it, right? Because it's great to to um, watch her on the track because she's doing incredible mm-hmm. things. But I just feel like she's got to be so tired, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But she's still going. She wrote, I, feel really I gave bad. it all for the world record, but my legs were too tired. Yeah. It's not just – it makes <laughs> sense. Your legs would be too tired. Yes. I Again, I feel bad for her hamstrings. I think I just – I don't know how she's been able to to keep it going. But I do think you look at that mile mark, 412, like I said, equates to about 355. In fact, they had a 1,500-meter split when she ran it in Monaco, and it was they got her 1,500 split at 355.30. So she's run faster than that on three occasions. Two of them two of them were were this year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not a guarantee. It's certainly not a guarantee. But – I think she can do it. You look at the rest of this field here. Um, I don't think because there's no Faith Kipiegon, if she's going to do this, she's going to have to do a lot of the work on her own here, which means she won't need to be worried about competition. It's just going to be a race against the clock. But ultimately, I think this just comes down to how much gas is left in the tank. Yeah, and on your screen, they were showing – that wasn't the field. That was the descending order list of 2021. 20, um, if we do look at the field here, though, uh, one thing yeah. I find is great is, hey, if your PB is 528 in the mile, you can be in a diamond <laughs> league. This is amazing. Look at that. Uh, Esther Guerrero, 528 mile PB in a diamond. Not, this isn't like the like the local one. This is the diamond league entry and she is in there how do, how do i i mean guess guess what her 1500 I mean, jojo ran is. like a 502 the other like uh two months ago maybe she should be in this diamond league final or diamond league this is mile this goes in the misleading pb hall of fame i think esther guerrero you get a reward because guess what her 1500 pb is what 402 like, like 358 or 402 okay <laughs> 528 pb in the mile like it, if 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 they just put if they had them side by side and you didn't know anything about track you say man it's like that last 109 meters she must have really struggled 
took her more than a minute, 20 seconds to do that I mean, last. Even part. Yeah, where Cranny, does the... at least Granny has a 502 PB. It's great. Yeah, because who runs the mile? Like, this isn't even I mean, on Esther Guerrero. It's, outdoors. It's, it's an outdoor mile. That's why. Because people run it indoors, but, you know. Right. But Guerrero, that 528 isn't even on her Tilis Tapia page. There's a 440 road outdoor mile, but that's she. They must have said, "Hey, what's your PB?" And she's like, "Well, in sixth grade, I ran 528. Here's the, here's my field day ribbon. See, it says 528 because no no stats database was paying attention long enough to know that she had run 528. Yeah, Cranny's run 431, yeah. but that's got to be indoors, so they're not this counting indoors, indoor yeah. PBs. So, yeah. yeah, but. It's just, yeah, if you got a program to the meet and you're like, ah, who am I going to pick? Like, you could probably get really good value on Esther Guerrero <laughs> for a top three finish. Because, like, who who saw the 528 miler that got there? This is like when they, they were saying, like, the, the press coverage after Seidel qualified for the Olympics. And it was woman qualifies for Olympics in her first marathon as if she had never done any sort of advanced training before or never done long training <laughs> yeah. runs. Like but she was a soccer has... champion, a cross country yeah. champion. Yeah. yeah. That every great runner has to debut at some point. Like no one, no one starts on their fourth marathon. It's like, you know, Kip Choge de debuted. We all debut at some point. Some are faster than others. Be a similar story. 528 miler gets third in diamond league. Improbable story. Yeah. Amen. I think we should wrap it up a little bit early. Yeah. I yeah. I've been holding in. I've been holding in a, a bathroom trip for the past like 50 minutes. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm ready. To, I'm ready. To, did you get the spider? Did you get the spider? The spiders I I don't want to be polarizing but the spider's no longer with us. Yeah, it was oh. it flew too close to the sun, aka too close to my laptop. So I need to I can get an email get from that Peter. I need to get that sorted out. I need to get an email from someone at the office. Be like, yo, what's going on? What's going on over here? Putting me at risk. I, Again, I, I was going to let it out, but it was just coming and coming and coming back at me. So I had no choice. Um, yeah, so Friday, we're going to go live at about 3 o'clock, maybe a little bit before 3, central time. And then we'll be done by 3.45. We'll recap Brussels. We'll see if Esther Guerrero can do the unthinkable and get a mile PR. We'll also talk about that women's two, the men's hundred, Nian Saba, Safana San. It's going to be great. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. Subscribe if you haven't. And we will talk to you guys on Friday. I got to go.